Welcome to The Investigation. I'm Kira Phillips with my co-host, Chris Vlasto, senior executive producer of our investigative unit and senior editorial producer, John Santucci. We're bringing you new episodes of The Investigation every day this week. And so far, we've heard from people who've played various roles tied to President Trump's legal team during the Mueller probe. And today, we're going to hear from someone who has spent the last year and a half publicly advocating for Donald Trump to be impeached. Tom Steyer. He's a billionaire, former hedge fund manager, a philanthropist, environmentalist, liberal activist, and fundraiser. And in October of 2017, he started spending millions of dollars to run ads like this one. He's brought us to the brink of nuclear war, obstructed justice at the FBI, and in direct violation of the Constitution. He's taken money from foreign governments and threatened to shut down news organizations that report the truth. If that isn't the case for impeaching and removing a dangerous president, then what has our government become? Tom Steyer has launched a number of similar ads as part of his Need to Impeach campaign, a fight that he is not giving up on. Tom, thanks for coming in. Kira, thank you so much for having me. All right. So you have dumped millions of dollars uh, into this effort to impeach the president. I'm just curious, easy answer, why? Well, what we are and what I have been doing for the last six years is a grassroots organization. And what we're doing around impeachment has been trying to empower and enable the voice of the American people. And so when you look at what we've done and what I've been working on in this area, it's been entirely consistent with the idea of a grassroots organization that believes in the power to the people, of the people, and by the people and that is looking for justice in America. So if you look at our movement, we have 7.7 million people who've signed a petition about impeachment. We do town halls to go and talk to them and hear what they're worried about and hear about their concerns. And we try and have their voice be heard in Washington, D.C. and across the country. We try to make sure that the American people's attitudes and opinions and desires are listened to. And so from our standpoint, what this is entirely consistent with the idea of taking power away from the elites, that of returning democracy to the people and having their voice be listened to above and beyond anything else. But don't you think, though, you, want, you, you wanted to impeach Donald Trump almost since the day he walked in the office. Is that kind of election nullification? I mean in the sense of not accepting the democracy, not accepting the will of the people? Well, if you look at what we've actually done, Chris, what you'll see is we started this petition drive on October 20, 2017. And what we were saying is we have the most corrupt president in American history. And here's somebody who we've, we had seen clearly at that point was someone who was corrupt, who was breaking his oath to the American people and the Constitution, and that we thought that he would continue to do so and the evidence would become more and more clear. But don't you worry people will lose faith in the system, don't you? I mean, we live in a democracy, whether we like the person or not. Uh, impeachment shouldn't be a, a weapon, right? I mean, shouldn't, shouldn't we just go to the ballot box? I mean, we live through, I mean, did you think Bill Clinton should be impeached? I did not think that Bill Clinton had done anything that rose to the level of impeachment. But let me throw this back on you. In the Constitution, 
the remedy that they give us for a corrupt president is impeachment. So do I think that it is a high bar to reach? Yes, I do. But it is directly in the Constitution as a remedy for a corrupt president. And I believe this is the most corrupt president in American history. And we're actually seeing that. I've seen, as a Democrat, mm -hmm. I have heard people say, Trump doesn't tell the truth, we shouldn't tell the truth. I mean, there is no question in my mind that when you decide that the laws aren't enforceable, they're no longer laws. And I think there's a question here very much about elitism, about accountability, and about justice regardless of who you are. If you're the president of the United States, does that mean you are no longer subject to the Constitution and the laws of the United States? If you want to make that statement, that to me seems like a gigantic leap from where we started and where we should be. So in October of 2017, this is when you <coughs> launched the need to impeach effort. Was that because of Robert Mueller's growing investigation at that point? He had only been appointed in May, just a couple months prior. What was it? Was there an, a singular act that was the impetus for you? It's ironic you'd ask that because we, from the beginning, said this isn't about the Mueller report. What we've said is that this is about corruption and obstruction of justice. So, so but if then you go what, back what, to October yeah. 20, 2017, mm -hmm. we knew at that point that Mr. Trump had refused to divest himself of his real estate interests. And we also knew at that point that he'd fired uh, the FBI director for pursuing the Russian investigation. One of the things that's going on here has been a question about what is a criminal violation and what rises to the level of breaking your oath to the Constitution and the American people. This is a question, there are many things that aren't criminal that would be impeachable, and there are things that are impeachable that aren't criminal. Well, you so even actually what we're asking for is to get this evidence in front of the American people through public hearings so that in fact we can hear it directly on TV, public hearings, so we can get a chance to make up our mind, so we can see what's been going on. And that has been buried for years. The American people have been left out of this conversation. We have, a, if you look at what we do broadly, mm -hmm. we're a grassroots organization. When you look at 2018, what you saw was we did the biggest voter, youth voter mobilization in American history. The places where we were, people between 18 and 30 turned out more than double what they turned out in the previous midterm election. What we believe in is an actual revitalization of American democracy, which involves the people getting the truth. It sounds like, if I'm listening to what you just said, is that, okay, we need more people here who agree with our efforts to have hearings and impeachment. It sounds like, from what you just said, those people don't exist right now that are members of the United States Congress. So, I'm going to spend my time and efforts, I'm going to get more people that see likewise with me elected, and then do it. So I guess my question is then, are the next 18 months, give or take, until the 2020 election sort of like, we've got to wait, really can't do anything as far as actionable items in Congress until we have more of our people there? No, I don't believe that. Look, if you look what we've done with this list, this list in 2018 voted at an 80% rate. 
We had at that point 6.2 million people. We now have 7.7 million people. We had about 10,000 people no, a day. I, I get the people, but what I'm saying to you, though, you're saying you need hearings on Capitol Hill. Right. Who are the people on Capitol Hill when you have the Speaker of the House calling it a waste of time and money that are going to commission those hearings? Well, I think actually we're going to continue to ask for the direct Mueller report. We're going to ask for the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee to get the president's tax returns, which he has an absolute right to. We're going to ask for hearings on the crimes in which Mr. Trump has been implicated in the one day of hearings that we had with Michael Cohen. We're going to ask, in fact, that the American people can get the truth directly, because when, in fact, it happens, what you're going to see is the Americans will be absolutely enthralled. We have had two real hearings in the last year. One of them was Brett Kavanaugh. One of them was Michael Cohen. Both of them were explosive. Both of them brought the American people into the conversation. Question about the money that you're putting in this need to impeach movement, okay? Today, because I see there's numbers all over the place. To date, how many millions have you put into this effort? I don't know exactly. Okay. <laughs> what we said last year. That means you need a new year. accountant, Tom. Yeah, Excuse me? That means you need a new accountant. Yes. What I would say is what we said last year is that we would spend $30 million organizing this voice, going out to people, getting our list, and also activating the list. I mean, from our standpoint, the question is not just how many people are on the list, but what are they willing to do? Okay, but out of your money, out of your money, you're a billionaire. How much money do you think you have put into this es- uh, this effort so far? Just give me a give me a good guesstimate. At more least what? More than thirty million dollars. More than thirty million. Would you say more than sixty million? No. Okay, so why not take that massive amount of money and put it toward a Democratic contender that people are talking about? They're excited about. So, Kira, let me say this: during 2018. What people said to me was, why are you spending time on impeachment instead of organizing around the uh, flipping of the House? And I said in 2018, you know, that's really interesting because we're doing more efforts directly on flipping the House than anyone else in the United States. That, in fact, we're doing this historic youth voter mobilization. Actually, we're a grassroots organization, including this list, which is a group of people who desperately want Mr. Trump to be impeached and removed from office and who will continue to have those feelings and will continue to be incredibly involved politically. So actually, this is a movement of people who will continue regardless of whether the House leadership is willing to hold hearings, but let me, regardless let me, let me, of whether we get the tax returns, okay, regardless me, of whether the Mueller report ever is available to the American people. Well, let's but in the meantime, we're going, to ins- we're going to demand it. But let's talk about Bob Mueller. But do you accept the conclusion that there was no uh, conspiracy to uh, collude, for lack of a better term, that the Russians didn't conspire with or, or collude with the Trump campaign? Do you accept his determination? I would like to see the Mueller report. I've no, said, I understand that. I understand that. Except, do you, you Chris, have said that he's a fine prosecutor, Robert Mueller, you've, you've, even before yes. the report came out. Yes. So do you accept his conclusion without seeing it? Do you, do you think that conclusion, that quote, is true? Do you accept I would, that? I would believe that he made a correct decision on a criminal basis. I would like to see the evidence. Mm-hmm. I would like the American people to see the evidence so we can see 
exactly what he's saying. And so to, to ask me, do you definitively conclude something without getting the facts? I would like to see the facts before I definitively conclude something. Okay, let's play the hypothetical out. Now you see the facts and you see that, oh, he came to a conclusion. You're going to accept it? I mean, I would like to see the evidence. Okay. I, I, I mean, you, you keep trying to get me to say something, and I'm going to say it again. We believe that the American people are due the facts. We believe they're due public hearings. We believe this is the most corrupt president in American history. We believe that he has obstructed justice. We believe if you put those facts in front of the American obstructed people. Obstructed justice how? By firing James Comey? I think that if you've watched his behavior over months, that's the most obvious thing. But I think that he's done a number of things about this investigation to try and dissuade it from going forward or to prevent it from being effective. And so, but we have a, someone who has collected information on this assiduously that we haven't seen. But, okay, so, so but then let me, let, me, let, me, let me go. I asked you briefly about Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton, they put out the whole report. Bill Clinton, they found committed perjury and obstruction of justice and put all the evidence out there. You don't believe he should. He was impeached. He was acquitted. Don't you think that was deserving or not? I think that there's a question here about does the, do, do the facts rise to the level of impeachment? Is there something here that's important enough to impeach the president of the United States? Right. We know from what Mr. Cohen said that apparently he broke the law, committed a felony, in the White House. Well, about sex, which actually it was, it, it was no. basically it was trying to hide a sexual relationship, right? That, no, that's the not exact right. Parallel. Actually, what he did was he made an illegal campaign contribution to cover up a previous sexual alliance. But it, it, what the actual law he broke was not by having sex. Oh, but what he did was he committed a felony while in the White House. And Bill and Clinton the, had his friend, Vernon Jordan, try to get him a job. And that to obstruct, to file a false, Monica Lewinsky filed a false affidavit at the direction of Bill Clinton. That's, that's in the Monica Lewinsky impeachment. What's the difference? The question in all of this is, does it rise to the level of removing the president of the United right. States? Oh, I agree. And my point was that I believe this is the most corrupt president in American history. I think that what happened with Bill Clinton is that the American people got the information and decided it didn't come close to rising to the level of impeachment. But don't you worry about the same thing? Don't you worry about the same thing of fighting a battle now, and this time it's in an election year, in a very important election year, that people will kind of have the same... Back. Oh, come on, guys in Washington. You guys are just using investigations. And Bill Clinton's popularity went up to like 98% after the impeachment. He, he was more popular when he left. Couldn't you have the boomerang effect with Donald Trump, too? I don't believe it's comparable. I think that you, you want to compare it to Bill Clinton. But I think that what's much more comparable is President Nixon. That, in fact, we had a corrupt president surrounded by corrupt people. That, in fact, his personal corruption slopped over into everything that he did, and that as more information has come to light subsequently, we can see that, in fact, that, it w that the corruption was at the heart of that administration. And that is our point here. Let's, you keep c comparing it to the Clinton administration. We don't have the information here. 
We have not been we have not gotten a report. We have not had hearings. We've had one hearing with regards to Mr. Trump. We had a hearing every single day with regard to Mr. Nixon. And what happened was, instead of getting one day's testimony from one person who's going to jail as a result of the things that he did with Donald Trump, in the Nixon administration, we got to hear every single person come forward. And what we got was a much broader picture of corruption and what was going on. Is a conspiracy to commit campaign finance fraud violation, of which Donald Trump is listed as person number one, is that act, is that scenario in and of itself to you an impeachable offense? But that is, that is a question that you're asking a single act in the context of corruption. Is there any one act in the, in the context of corruption that in and of itself to me rises to the level of impeachable? If that's the only act, your implication is that's all it is. But that is an implication with which I profoundly disagree. Right. My point is mm-hmm. we have a culture and a tradition and a, a value system based on corruption. And the American people need to see that in a broad-based way, not with one incident and say, oh, you know, happened one time, it's, you know, it's excusable. The question is, do we have a broad-based system of corruption that is in fact leading this president right. to break his oath to the American people and the Constitution? Okay. And I believe that if you put that pattern in front of the American yeah. people and say, is this who we are? Is this who we are? If you're rich enough and powerful enough, then you get to walk. And that's the point about impeachment, is equal justice before the law. We are not going to take some poor kid who breaks the law and put him away for 20 years and let the president of the United States skate on a pattern of corruption where he's selling us down the river. That is not right. We've heard from the DOJ that it's a matter of weeks, not months, until Congress gets the Mueller report, some version of it. If we get that public version and it's heavily redacted, doesn't include every detail, what is Tom Steyer's plan of action? Do you join a lawsuit to get the full release of the report? Look, I d- you know, that's a hypothetical. We like those. <laughs> we do, it, we like you know, we don't know what it's going to mean. I believe that the Democratic Congress will sue if we don't get the report. But would you join that lawsuit? I'd be behind it for sure. So, Tom, it's interesting looking at the tweets between you and the president. So so he, he has mocked you as a stumbling lunatic. He has said, weirdo, Tom Steyer doesn't have the guts or money to run for president. He's all talk. So let me ask you, you do have the money. You, you're telling me right here you've, you've got the guts. You're passionate. Why don't you run for president? You sort of yeah, floated it. Passionate. Then I'm you actually... pulled out. Then you talked about it again. Why aren't you? What are you afraid of? Why aren't you running for president? I'm not afraid. What then I why aren't you running for president? That what we've been doing, which is basically grassroots organizing, is the most direct positive contribution I can make. You're a billionaire. You were a hedge fund trader. Would you release all your tax returns? Would you want everyone to see every trade that you did back when you ran a fund and distressed? Well, first of all, uh, if you follow the way the SEC works, that stuff is public knowledge anyway. So but would you want to put all your taxes tax out? I'm not scared about my taxes at all. I pay really high tax rates. So if you're asking me, am I embarrassed about what I make, how I make it, or what I've paid? No. Well, or how about, though, but in the, uh, the SEC doesn't look at every trade. If you ran for president, they would look fine-tooth comb through mm-hmm. every trade in your hedge fund, every single one. Would yeah. you want to be 
There's nothing that isn't in the public record that I'm worried about. Okay. If it, that's your question. That's Is there something that's not so, in the public record that I'm worried about? No. Okay. So billionaire to billionaire, why isn't Donald Trump releasing his tax returns? Because I believe there's criminality exposed in those tax returns. Or do you that's think exactly that's what Michael Cohen said. Not really a what Michael Cohen said was he, he, he used his tax returns in one way to minimize taxes. He used his asset estimates in another way to raise loans from banks. That's a felony. And I think that he has not released his taxes because there was an inconsistency in his behavior that is illegal. And in fact, you go to jail for it. Except Michael Cohen is a liar. We have to just say he, he is a, a admitted liar. So we, we, we have to take everything he says with a little bit of a grain of salt. No? All right, Chris, here's what I would say. What we've been saying is give us the tax returns. We have not said, you know, we understand that Michael Cohen was sent us directly by God with, you know, the truth. We've said Give us the tax returns so the American people can see. Do you think he's a billionaire? You know, honestly, I don't know what Mr. Trump is worth. And that's never been the question for me. I, I do you do. respect him as a businessman? Absolutely not. He's a failed businessman. He is a great reality TV star. He had an absolutely successful TV show. He is an incredibly successful and effective communicator. But if you look at his record in business... He took a huge inheritance and blew up a series of projects and went bankrupt and got bailed out by the bank. So if you ask me, do I think, do I respect him as a business person? No, he's a failed business person, but so he, he is a hell of a communicator and one hell of a reality. He had a ton of people watching The Apprentice. It's, you know, I, when I talk about Donald Trump at our town halls, I say, look, do not underestimate his talents. They're very real. They're not as a business person. His so he hasn't mastered is, the art of the deal. He didn't write the art of the deal. He doesn't know the art of the deal. Here's what he does, and this is what he's doing to the United States of America. This is his pattern in real estate. Overpromise, overborrow, blow it up, walk away. Okay, now let's look at the United States of America. Overpromise, overborrow, blow it up, and walk away. So if you, Tom, were an investigator right now and everything going on, you've got, um, obviously, I think we're up to a little over half a dozen congressional committees looking into the president and his family. You've got prosecutors in the Southern District of New York. You've got about four <laughs> AGs up and down. I know I'm, I'm kind of doing your greatest hits list here for you. John, but, let me just ask yeah, you. I'm the one who's saying he's the right, most right, corrupt right, president in no, American history. Yeah, yeah, you guys yeah. are pushing well, back. I'm You're going, going right. I'm, go, I'm going through the list with you. But just laying out the facts. But I guess... <laughs> Going through that list, which one do you say, that's the one? That's the case that we have to focus on. No, but, and that's what I'm saying. What I've been saying from the beginning is it's a question about corruption. And it's no, a question I, about obstruction. So it is, I you get, know, I get the to be fair, John, right, Chris asked exactly, me, does, this one, money? Case, does right. this one case prove your point? And I said, no, this is a pattern. So you think can, all of these should keep going on? You think that the more the better? You don't think if we get rid of some of them, focus on one singularly, this I would think be the silver For the sake of the American people, what I've been saying all along is we should be focusing on corruption. So out of the cases that are existing right now, out of all the lists I just went through, which one do you look at and say, that's the one? Look, this I think, is but let me put this back at you. I am not, wait, we were not waiting for the Mueller report. We're not waiting for the Southern District of New York. Those are criminal prosecutions of criminal behaviors. 
My point is this is a political question. Bottom line, this country voted him into office. They voted him to be the president of the United States. So if what you're saying about all these people that you are galvanizing, that they don't want him and they want they they want to impeach him and he's so corrupt and there's a pattern of corruption, you keep saying pattern of corruption, why was Donald Trump elected to be the president of the United States? So let me make two points. One is the whole point of the Constitution and impeachment within the Constitution is if you elect a president who is corrupt, that there is a remedy for that problem. I think there's no question that the underlying impetus to the Trump supporters is almost 80% of Americans. That means, by definition, people of both parties and independents overwhelmingly believe that this system has been purchased by powerful interests who don't have the people's interest first. And if you listen to what Trump supporters say, you hear that. And he was playing to that. What's Nancy Pelosi afraid of? (sighs) The Democratic leadership in the Congress has the same goals and values that I do. But we have a, there's something that we disagree about that is about tactics, not about values or goals. And that's this. If you look at the 2018 election, we see it so differently. I think that the congressional leadership believed that this was a persuasion election. That in fact, what happened was that the Democratic Party, by talking about issues where we have a huge advantage like health care and education, they believed that we persuaded Americans in the middle to leave the Republican Party and Donald Trump and vote for us. And we believe that what happened was it wasn't persuasion, it was turnout. So if we tell the truth to those people, if we are as straightforward and candid as possible, that they will believe that someone's in their corner and they'll show up because they believe it's important to show up because they believe the system is now working. We're trying to say, look, we want a just America with a positive vision of the future for everybody together. That's what we're pushing for. And when we see impeachment, I mean, you guys see this political punching match. We're saying no. We want a positive America where we recognize what other people have given to the system. And absolutely, 100%, you are not going to run for president. <laughs> absolutely, 100%, you're not going to throw This is in. what we're doing. And, you know. Just a yes or no. And what I'm saying to you is, this is what we're doing. But, you know, you guys keep yeah. asking me all these conditional questions. What I've said is, this is what we're doing. Okay, but we it's possible you could. You possibly could decide you're going to go for it. What we've said is that I'm spending 100% of my time in this. You want me to answer conditional questions, and I will not. No, we're just looking for a headline. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> Tom, thank you. Thank, thank you, you guys. very much. Thanks. We'll be right back. And welcome back to The Investigation. I'm Kira Phillips. My co-host, Chris Vlasto, with me, senior editorial producer, John Santucci, and also joining us now, senior investigative producer, Matt Mosk. Matt, you were listening to the conversation. What are your thoughts? So I, I actually was really interested in having Tom Steyer in because I think we're really hearing a different perspective. This is somebody who's away from Washington, but obviously very engaged. And I liked what he said about transparency. I think any journalist would agree that we need to see more. We need to see the report. We need to see these events happen in public. I would have liked to have heard more of a 
plan for how he hopes to achieve that. that well, and, that, and that's sort of what disappointed me because, like, and the reason that I went through the litany there of everything going on is that for many people that saw Barr's letter on Mueller, a lot of people said, "Ugh, well, that didn't do what I wanted." They thinking that was the silver bullet, so they're What's looking left? for something else. What's left? And there are so many cases. There's so many probes and. If it is so widespread, an argument many have raised is that you're not putting the time, energy, and focus onto maybe that one other one if you really want to impeach the president that could be – that could do it. That could be the impetus for it. So for him just to say, well, I want everything, I want everything, I want everything, I don't know. It just sort of felt like, okay, if you're going to wait for everything, then maybe you get nothing at the and, end of the day. And, and I think he's also wrong about uh, uh, criticize, or he didn't criticize Nancy Pelosi, but he obviously thinks impeachment's a winning issue in 2020. Most people agree that it's not a winning. Nancy Pelosi has been around politics a long time. She knows that you know people in the heartland of things. What are they doing in Washington? They they don't want they don't want these gotcha games. They want they want health care. You know. And that is you, that good for the country? Would impeachment hearings be good for the country right now, considering everything that we're dealing with? Now, he, he makes a compelling point that people get inspired. People get, you know, the left is going to get come out in droves. And maybe that's why they came out in 2018. But I think the polling suggests otherwise. If all of this was happening in public and you had the kind of groundswell of interest that you had around the Michael Cohen hearing, that the the public would be in a different place right now about impeachment, about some of these other things. If they were exposed to what the Mueller report actually found as opposed to a sanitized four-page summary, that might actually lead to a groundswell. But I think you're right, John, that, that he and Nancy Pelosi being at odds is kind of interesting. You've got these two powerful Bay Area people that Really don't he agree. lives in her district. <laughs> I mean, that's a really important little factor right there. I mean, I'd love you, to be at when, that dinner party. Right. But when when you when you talk about you know you want to have an impact on your member of Congress, he can vote for her or against her. Let's let's not minimize that. But going back to what Chris was saying though, on the polling, I mean, his view is that. I don't need to discourage Republicans from turning out. I just need Democrats to get to the polling place. So if that's where he's going to put his time and energy and focus, that's one thing. But I do think to Kira's question, I know you tried multiple times, it doesn't sound like he's totally, completely ruled it out. I mean, Chris, I don't know how you felt after talking to him, but do you think he'll have an influence on what Democrats in Congress do now or do next? Well, listen, he makes a compelling point about saying that it's it's everything and it's not one thing. Like, he wouldn't answer me when I kept on Michael Cohen. Is that an impeachable offense? He right. wouldn't say it. He, you and John both tried to really pin him down on, like, what offends you the most. Right. But the other thing that I just think is that if he's putting all his eggs in the basket right now of Congress has to do public hearings... That's not working out too great so far. I mean, the really only thing we've seen this year with this new Congress has been Michael Cohen. That was, you know, the big public spectacle. The next one that's been And that was a failure, I think, because everyone kind of agrees he lied again. I thought it was pretty compelling hearing. But but you're right in terms of, like, did it move the needle ultimately in how people feel about the president? I'm not sure that it did. I agree with you. Congress has said that they want to do more public hearings. Okay, but the next one that's been on again, off again, the schedule is Felix Sater, the co-partner with Michael 
Michael Cohen on the Trump Tower Moscow project. That cannot get nailed down yet as to when they're actually going to do that. Um, the other thing that he did talk about is that the need to go after the tax return. We've heard rumblings. It could be coming soon, but we still haven't seen that action yet. So we're already now entering four months into this new Congress. You know, unless they really start to put the pedal to the metal here, I mean, summer, nothing's going to happen. Everyone's going to be in Iowa eating pork on a stick and fried butter. I mean, what 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 does he need to see that will actually happen in Congress that he will feel like, OK, we did what we sought out to do here? I think you're right that he he did pinpoint the tax return as sort of a key piece of the puzzle. And Congress does have a lot of legal muscle behind them to get Trump's tax returns. The question is, once we see them, will they yield anything that will change people's impressions? Well, and he's right about what Michael Cohen said. I mean, in the sense of that he inflated his value to get loans and he he deflated his value to uh, get tax breaks. If that's true and you can do it, I don't know if you totally can. That that's bank fraud. So, but that but so. that's where again going back to when we asked him other investigations you put your muscle into, we saw that question asked at the hearing. It was by Ocasio Cortez from New York. Then we saw prosecutors in New York and investigators start to examine the insurance fraud question. So if you're Steyer, I guess why waste your energy trying to force public hearings when you can lobby, if he's going to be focusing on state level, go lobby the states, lobby New York State to open investigations. I think you just answered your own question, though. I mean, in a way, that that Cohen hearing, yielding that moment about, uh, you know, possible bank fraud, did initiate a, a criminal investigation. Maybe he's Right. Maybe he's that, onto that, something. Yeah, right. that yeah, these yeah. hearings could Throw actually, enough spaghetti on the wall. Right, create, 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 create a domino effect. That way. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks again for joining us. And don't forget, we will be back again tomorrow with a brand new episode, breaking down the headlines for you. And be sure to hit subscribe, leave us a rating. And thanks again to our producers, Eric Mallow and Shannon Crawford. And a special thanks today to Ben Siegel. And for my colleagues, Chris Vlasso, Matt Mosk, and John Santucci, we'll see you back here tomorrow for another episode of the investigation.